Um, this morning, I've been asked to speak to you guys on worship, and the topic that I chose was listening. Um, doesn't really sound like listening is really an art of worship, but it actually is, because listening to God is instrumental in us finding a right place to be with him, where he can speak into our lives rather than us trying to see what we can get uh, out of our relationship with him, which is what we kind of tend to gravitate towards sometimes. I want to talk to you guys about, uh, um, have you guys, who's here seen the movie Wreck-It Ralph? I know it's an old one. Um, it's one that I've seen, I think, one or two times, heard probably about 15, because uh, we often listen to it as we drove back and forth from Prince Rupert. The kids would be in the back of the truck with it on the stereo on the vehicle, and I got to hear it, got most of it memorized. Actually not, my memory sucks, but anyhow. Um, I did learn a few key things from that about the movie. One of the things that uh, I kind of reflected on this week as I was thinking about that movie, I don't even know why it came to mind, but I think that I would have to identify with Ralph. Um, I think I have this really great skill at wrecking things, at and I'm not talking about physical things. I'm talking about just in my life in general. I just seem to have a real good skill at, and probably all of us, I won't speak for you, but I can make a bit of a general assumption. We're really good at making bad choices and decisions um, and just going down a road that we probably shouldn't go down. I think we're all in like 90% responsible for a lot of the stuff that kind of goes on in our lives and don't really tend to want to take accountability for it, but that's kind of the facts. Um, but that's not really the issue. The issue, I think, is that uh, we like to treat God as Fix-It Felix. We like to come to God and say, God, I have this problem, this problem, this problem. We pray and say, please fix it, take this away, help me to pass this test. That's a great one for, element, or for high school kids. I hear that all the time when I was in youth ministry. Um, you know, help us with all these different things. But that's all it is. It's just us saying we want this, we want this. God, please give, please give. And the thing is, our lives can be an act of worship, just by the way we live them, by the way we treat and value our relationship with God. Um, we live in such a fast-paced world, we can almost kind of equate it with, um, with McDonald's drive through We go to McDonald's, and uh, we pull up to the drive through minimal interaction, this is what I want, I want this, this, Kate, pull up to the window, pay, pull up the next window, Kate, now give me my food, oh, I'm upset because I didn't get my straw, and I got pickles. Like, I didn't want pickles. So, anyhow... That's kind of what our life tends to be like. It's just this really fast-placed life where it's just all it is is about us and the things that we want, and we don't take the time to slow down. Kind of like when I talk. I always talk way too fast. I hear that every time. I never take the time to slow down, so I'll try and focus on that now. Um, but in other words, this talk will be done in like five minutes, and, well, maybe that's not a bad thing, but anyhow. Um, if we can take our lives and turn it into something that's not about selfish behavior and not about us, but about God, who is our, really our reason for being. God put us on this earth to worship him. That's why we're supposed to be here. But to do that, we have to slow down. Jeremiah 29, 10-13. For I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. They are plans for good and not for disaster, to give you a hope and a future. In those days when you pray, I will listen. If you look for me wholeheartedly, you will find me. God asks us to look for him wholeheartedly. Yet we oftentimes don't pray looking for God. We pray looking to feel our own personal selfish needs, our own personal interests. Maybe the interests of that person over there or there, but we don't actually pray 
thinking about what we can be doing for God. We always look at it kind of through the reversal of the microscope. Our hope is in God and in Jesus Christ. That's where our future is. We tend to look at things with a worldly perspective, and we try to find a worldly solution. But God sees things from a heavenly perspective. He sees the big picture. It's when we spend time with a listening heart that things can come into focus, and we can also see the big picture. If you were to take a small piece of paper, or you take your hand and put them in a really small little hole like that and look through it, and you look at yourself in the mirror, or look at someone sitting beside you, and you just look through that little hole, all you're going to see is that little, spot, little speck, that little spot. Whether it happens to focus on that wrinkle, or um, that blemish, that fuzzy hair, that zit, wart, whatever it happens to be, that's what you see. And that's kind of how we tend to look at our lives. We see this little thing, and that's what we put all of our focus and all of our attention into. And that's what consumes us and gets us so worked up. But the reality is, when you take that paper away, you see the image of what God created. You see this beautiful piece of perfection that is in every one of us. And that's what God sees in us. And God sees that huge picture, and we need to learn to see that same thing. But in order to do that, we have to slow down. We have to be able to take the time to focus not on us, but on him. It's not that God doesn't see those little issues. It's that God sees the bigger picture. He cares about us. He cares about us and his children. But God doesn't just look at the journey. He doesn't look about the steps along the way as we go through it day by day, week by week, month by month. But he sees our destination. And that is what we really truly need to focus on. We need to intentionally set time aside in our lives for God. Easy for me to say that because I know that's an area I always need to work on. And I don't put enough time into that. But yet in the back of my mind, just like you guys, we all know that that's truly what matters. By nature, I'm a fixer. So I talked before about how to break things. Well, I'm a fixer. If there's a problem, I want to fix it. I want to fix it now. If I go out and buy something from the store, it's a big, huge IKEA box. I want to put that together. I don't need instructions. Really, I mean, what man needs instructions? Well, maybe halfway through and realize we're wrong, then we'll go back to them and try and fix it. But ultimately, we are just prone to want to do that right off the top. At least that's for me. And that's, I think, the same thing when it comes to a relationship. Terry can tell me or want, me, want to tell me about a problem going on in our relationship or with her life or whatever's going on. And she gets like 10 words in, and my mind's already like, hey, how can I fix this? What can I do to make this better? But all she wants is for me just to listen. She doesn't want a problem solver. She doesn't want someone who's going to come up with this, with this amazing solution that's going to fix all the problems in the world. She just wants someone to listen. And yet, our listening skills have a lot to be desired for all of us. Psalm 46, verse 10 states, Be still and know that I am God. So God wants for us just to be still, to be in his presence, to just bask in his glory. That's all he wants. And yet, 
I think I like to compare my life sometimes to, uh, to water skiing, to slalom skiing. This is something I thought about a long time ago. Many years ago, uh, we had the privilege of having some good friends who had some good friends. And that extended friend uh, was very wealthy and he owned a, uh, a cabin, a full-size house, on Shawnigan Lake in Vancouver Island. And it was beautiful. He had a, I don't know, $50,000 wakeboard boat and jet skis and every single toy you can imagine. He was very gracious in allowing other people to use it on a regular basis. And for about a three-year period, in the spring and in the fall, us and our close friends were invited to go there without him even being there to open it up in the spring, do a little bit of work, yard maintenance, get it going, and play with his toys, and to close it up in the fall. And so we were there for like a week each time. And during that time, the very first time, because I love slalom skiing, I'd bring my slalom ski along. And I'd get out there and do some slalom skiing, and then I'd, they had a wakeboard boat, so I could try wakeboarding. He actually had boots that fit my feet, which was amazing, so I could actually fit them on my feet. And so we would go, and we'd start wakeboarding. And I'd do a little bit of slalom skiing, a little bit of wakeboarding, and then slowly I got a little bit better at wakeboarding, and the next year I brought my slalom ski along. Didn't even use it. And the following year, I brought my... Um, I didn't even bring my slalom ski. It's like, hey, this wakeboarding is awesome. And the difference is that when you're on slalom ski, it's fine. It's exhilarating, it's fast, but you're just going back and forth. Back and forth, back and forth. You get into the, the actual courses, and you're just trying to dodge around those pylons. Dodge around, dodge around. And that's what you do. Uh, with wakeboarding, there's so much more that you can do. There's all these different types of tricks you can learn and practice. And, um, but I think the biggest difference between the two is slalom skiing, you go fast. You want to go as fast as you can. You're going like 30 miles an hour, zipping back and forth. When you're cutting back and forth, like way faster than that. And when you wipe out, oh my goodness, it hurts. You start tumbling through the water, you're rolling and you're flying everywhere. I remember my eyelids, water getting under them and just literally feeling like my eyelids were ripping off of my face. And wakeboarding, every once in a while you catch a front edge and it hurts. But most of the time, like 99% of the time, when you fall down on wakeboarding, it's just like poof, you're in the water, you get back up, you go again. Poof, you fall down, you get back going up again. And you know, when I compare the two, like I said, I don't slalom ski anymore because wakeboarding was so much fun because it's going slower. And life can be so much more enjoyable when we can just slow down and enjoy the things around us and get rid of the busyness and that exhilarating, let's just go 90 miles an hour all the time, just trying to dodge around the little pylons and try and keep straight, but knowing full well that you're going to crash at some point because you just can't keep it up at that speed. Well, we have to get away from that business in life. We have to get our priorities in order. If you think about Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane, even he, three times when he was there, went off on his own to pray. And if Jesus needs to take the time to be alone with his Father, to get rid of all that business around him, how much more do we not need to do the same thing? And once we do slow down, all of a sudden we find that we have the time to listen to God. We have the time to read his word, to spend time in prayer, have time to invest in those other Christian relationships around us that can build into our lives and speak God's word into our lives through their wisdom and the wisdom that God has given them. We have the time to listen to that still, small voice. 
that feeling that you may need to take some action or take a step of obedience. I have a friend of mine many years back, a very good friend named Dan Hogan. And Dan was a very, very committed man that had such an amazing heart for God. We were leading in youth ministry together, and in one youth retreat, he asked us all, he was our guest speaker for that week, and he asked us all, all the kids, all the adults, everybody that was there, to go find a quiet place, to find a quiet spot that we could just be alone with nobody around us and no distractions, and spend like a half an hour, an hour, however long we wanted, to just take and be alone with God. I remember going, and I just went and sat in my vehicle, closed the doors, no distractions, no radio playing, just quiet. And as I was sitting there, I was contemplating, you know, my life. And at that point, I had a lot of ideas going around in my head, as most of you might know, but I'm a police officer, had been for about, you know, 10 years at that point. And I was really struggling with whether I should stay in policing, whether I should get into full-time ministry, whether I should go back to university and start taking some Bible school. And as I was going through that, I was just in absolute turmoil about what the next step should be. I had no idea what God wanted. I was leaving, reading a book at the time called Living the Life You Were Meant to Live. And I hadn't got a clue what life that was supposed to be. And as I was sitting there, I heard very audibly in that vehicle, without a doubt, just two words, I guess three, you're learning. That's all I heard. But when I heard that, I realized that I was what God wanted me to be. I was doing what I want, what he wanted me to do. And I was learning. Maybe I wasn't going to Bible school full time. It didn't matter. I was learning from the people around me. I was learning from being involved in the ministries that I was involved in. I was learning because of the people that I hung out with. And it was exactly where God wanted me to be at that time. And it gave me a complete peace. I doubt that would have happened if I hadn't been told by someone to go and take time to sit down and just listen. God can speak to us in many times, and I know that speaking to us audibly isn't something that happens to a lot of people, or definitely not on a very regular occasion. But God speaks to us when we take the time to listen. He speaks to us when we take the time to read his, his word. When we take the time to spend and invest into relationships with friends, people that are close to God, that have that close commitment, that can have wisdom that they can share with you and give you insights that you might never have thought of on your own. If you want to, listen, to hear from God, you have to make yourself available. That same Dan, um, as I said, he, a, a great man of God, and he had the ability to pray. And it wasn't that he, he used these big captivating words or that you know, he was authoritative or that he just spoke with such a way that you know, was so powerful. He spoke very humbly, very simple, and yet very real. And when we were in a group with him and he prayed, you could just feel God's presence. Dan told us a story once of how he was a refrigeration mechanic. He's a full-time worship pastor now, exactly where he should be. But uh, he was a refrigeration mechanic at that time. And he would drive around in his vehicle. And he was driving around in his vehicle. He would imagine that Jesus was in his passenger seat. And he would just have a conversation with Jesus. And that's what his life was like. His life and his relationship with God was just that. It was a conversation. It was a friendship. 
That's what I want for all of us here. But that doesn't happen. It doesn't just come out of nothing. That comes out of us being willing to give ourselves over to him, to be willing to take the time to be quiet and to listen. Uh, in the Lord's Prayer, Matthew 6, 15, or 5 to 13, it says, When you pray, don't be like hypocrites who love to pray publicly on street corners and in synagogues where everyone can see them. I tell you the truth. That is all the reward you will ever get. But when you pray, go away by yourself, shut the door behind you, and pray to your Father in private. Then your Father, who sues everything, will reward you. When you pray, don't babble on and on as the Gentiles do. They think that their prayer is answered merely by repeating their words again and again. Don't be like them, for your Father knows exactly what you need, even before you ask him. Pray like this. And we all know this prayer, and we can say it together. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your worth be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread, and forgive our debts, as we have also forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. When we read that, there's very little in there about asking. We ask for our daily bread. But other than that, it's about giving homage to God, giving respect to him, giving him the stage in our lives. And that's what we need to do.